But anyway, I always look forward to coming here. My wife couldn't come this morning. She did say in her love, and let me say this. I'm not surprised by what I see, but I am in awe of what I have seen. When I came here and saw what God is doing, I was in awe of the greatness of God, but yet, on the other hand, I know how the scripture works. Your pastor, he and his wife worked for us for eight years, full time, and they were so faithful and loyal to us that I knew that God would do the same thing and more in their lives. They sowed the seed to get to where they are today. And believe it or not, the best is yet to come. You have a great leader. Yes. I've learned that in life, I'm 76 years old, and I've learned in life you're going to reap what you sow. And one good way to have a good future is sow the right seeds today. Because whatever you do today is going to meet you tomorrow. That's true in life. The Bible doesn't lie. So I try to sow the kind of seeds that I want to reap in my own personal lives and treating people, responding to leadership and all. Because it will, life will produce. You decide how you're going to live your life based upon how the seeds that you sow. And I want to rehearse this again. You have a great leader and Pastor Joseph and Mr. Corn and the Corn family. I've known them for years. And he is, his wife was the first satellite church that I sent out from St. Peter's and they're doing such an excellent job. So I applaud all of you guys together. Amen. I want to talk to you on something that I believe that is so important to you as an individual, but also important to this church, if you allow me for a few minutes. Father, we lift our hearts to you, asking your grace and your goodness, your guidance, your direction, as we share with you what you have put on our heart, in Jesus' name. Kenneth Hagin came to our, known him, I went to Raymond myself back in the age 70s. And after Raymond, I became a pastor later on in life. And Kenneth Hagin, he came to our church twice. He came. And the first time he came when we built our new sanctuary, and he left a word on unity with our church, the secret to the success that God had for you. And I want to give that word to this church here today because I see the hand of God up on this house. I see the hand of God up on your ministry, upon your pastor, and the anointing flows down. As God elevate him, so will he elevate this body in your house. Always remember this, what you make happen in God's house, you position yourself for God to make happen in your house. You can't turn a deaf ear to God's house and think God's gonna run down to your house. No, God responds to us based on how we respond to him. So if you will permit me to talk to you briefly on the power of unity. I don't know if anyone's subject is as important when it comes to God getting involved into our lives. Because when we think about it, together we have unlimited potential. All of us is stronger together than we are as one. All of us wiser together than we are as one. When we come together, we have unlimited potential. The wisdom that comes 
out of unity is beyond most people's comprehension. That's what unity is, it's the correction of disorder. When team unity comes, first success will follow. And we almost learn to lead, learn to follow, and learn to keep the unity of the spirit so that God can set into what we're doing and each of us will be blessed. Notice that statement there on the screen there. If we are going to experience God's greater glory with his anointing, his blessing, his favor, grace, prosperity, and long life, we're going to have to make a commitment to align ourselves with him and one another in the spirit of unity and divine order. That's God's plan for his church. That's God's plan for his people. That's God's plan for you individually is unity. The Bible says there are three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. But the three, they are one. God's power is expressed in unity. Notice the next statement. We as a church, as families, and in every area of our lives must come together in unity. The place of consistent commitment to God, to God's purpose. I like what you have out there. Love God, love people, and live with purpose. The secret to life is knowing that God is a God of purpose. And where purpose is not known, defeat is inevitable. And will you learn that? That is God's plan for our church, for our families, for our lives. We're going to see the hand of God. Unity is a must. Whether it's in the family, whether it's in the church, or wherever you are, if God is in it, he commands us to bring unity to the forefront. And the good thing about it, next is when unity comes forth, what happens? The glory falls. And when the glory of God is the manifestation, miracles, signs, and wonders begin to take place. Notice again that next slide there, when the glory comes, two things will happen in your church, in your family, in your lives. One, the spirit of revelation begins to flow, begins to work in our hearts, and we begin to see the hand of God and know the ways of God. And two, we are changed by the glory of God from glory to glory. When the glory of the Lord is in the house, in the church, in the family, you go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. The one thing you want in life is the Spirit of God to get involved because we have limitations in our natural, but when the Spirit of God gets involved, he always takes it to another level. And that's really what faith is. Faith is doing everything you can do, and then once you have reached your level of potential, God takes it to the next level. Because the glory of God is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is involved, he'll take your life, your ministry, your business, or whatever you represent to another level. And oh, that's what's lacking in the church. And we must bring unity back to the church, to the family, to the home, and by all means into our personal life. Now, one thing we almost learned is this right here, another statement there. The glory doesn't come until we're in 
unity in the spirit of unity. You can come together. We can come together and make a lot of noise. But it's the glory of God that brings the manifestations of God. It's the glory of God that brings the miracles, signs, and wonders. It's the glory of God that turns a man or a woman to another person. It's the glory of God that represents God that brings this house and take this life, this church to another level. Because the Bible says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he'll begin to reveal those things unto us by his spirit. For the spirit such as all things, even the deep things of God. There are things beyond your comprehension that God desires to do in your life in this church. But the key to God bringing to pass his will will be found is the unity of the spirit because the unity of the spirit releases the power of God. Together, harvest, we have unlimited potential and we must strive to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace that we, whether in our family, whether in the church, in our business, or wherever we are, we will see the manifestations of the powers of God. Notice, let's go into the Bible there in Genesis 11th chapter, verses one and four through nine. Notice, here in the beginning, and the whole earth was of one language and one speech. That is vitally important. The whole earth had only one language and one speech. And notice what happened there in verse four. And God said, go to, let us build. This is what the people said. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. But notice what God stated there in verse number five. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build. Now that is important. Notice what men were doing without God. The children of men were out to build a city, a tower, without God. And God saw that their motives were wrong. And then notice in verse six, God said, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to go. And then God said, we have to stop it. He said, go to, let us, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, go down and, there, and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Verse eight, so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city that they had set out to build. Verse nine, therefore, is the name of the, it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Let me say something to you. Satan is not as smart as we give him credit. He learns God's ways and the do opposite of that. God saw that the men's motives was wrong. So God said, the only way that we can stop these natural men, 
is confused, confound, or mix, or change their language where they were no longer able to speak to one another and understand it. The devil tried to do that same thing in the church today. When he see the miracle working power of God, when he see the glory of God upon a church or a family or a business or whatever there, the only way he can stop it is to bring division divisiveness and getting people speaking something totally different from what God had command. So therefore we have to stay on our stay on our toes and watch out for any language that will come into the house that is contrary to what came down from heaven. Are you there? Because that's what the word babble means, the jumble of speech or to confuse. Amen. But notice here, I want to share a couple of things that with you. Notice what God said, the people is one. Right there's the secret to our success. They are on one accord, the next. God said they have all one language, one voice in unity, universal language. The whole earth was a universal language. And then notice that the next thought, God said nothing will be restrained. That people is one, they have one language. The next one, please. Now, thank you. Nothing will be restrained or denied or refused from them. This is God talking. He saw men, natural men, moving in harmony, in agreement, and God, because they, they are one, they have one language, and God said, everything they imagine to do will be done. And then notice the next slide, nothing will be restrained or denied from them because of what? The unity. Now I can learn, and we can learn a lot of great things there. These men, they were in rebellion. They have had wrong motives, but the fact they were in unity, God said they will be able to accomplish. Now, I'm gonna say a few things and don't take it wrong, but if it offend you, I'll pray for you after I get through. <laughs> I see this in corporate America. They have a vision and they hire you to come in there and work for their vision. And they tell you what they're gonna do. And if you disagree, they'll send you home. But in the church, we can't send you home. We got to pray for you to grow up. So when you bring someone in the house that don't want to agree with the vision, they are the one that say them it's a sign to stop the flow or the growth of the vision. And the last thing you want to do is disagree with what God is doing because when you are in agreement with God, you position yourself to be blessed of God. So therefore, it's a danger when you come into a house and try to say things that is contrary to what God has given your leader because God speaks to the leader. He doesn't speak to the board. He speaks to his leader. He spoke to Moses and told Moses to speak to the people all down through the time. God speaks to that man that he has called to lead the people and the people line up with what God is saying. And when everybody's in harmony and agreement or one accord, there's no limit to what God would do in that house. Amen. So we see that they are, God said, all that they imagine to do would be done, even men in rebellion, but they were on one accord. So God had to confuse their language to stop them and mix up their language. And they lost, when they lost their unity, they lost their ability. Now say that, when we lose our unity, we lose our ability. That's true in the family, 
That's true in the marriage. That's true in the church. Wherever God is, when you lose your unity, you lose your ability. When you lose your unity, you stop your growth. When you lose your unity, guess what happens? Satan takes over. And when Satan takes over, you will have all manner of confusion. And we will never let that happen. Say that I will never let that happen in my family, in my business, in my life, and in my church. I want to find the will of God, and I've learned that principle. Find the will of God, line up with it, line up with what God is doing, and you will be amazed what God will do in your life. And let's look into another scripture here in Psalms 133, verses 1 through 3. Notice what the scripture says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is God talking to the church. He gave us an analogy of what unity will presume to do. Verse two, he said, it is like the precious ointment upon the head, ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment, covered his whole body. Verse three, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, notice what happened, for there, the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So I pulled out a few things there I want to draw to your attention. Number one, next slide. When unity comes into the body, what happened? The glory falls. Never forget that. The one thing God looks for is unity in the church, unity in the family, unity in the business. Unity, unity, unity is the key to the heart of God. It's the key to the glory of God. It's the key to the blessings of God. And next slide, we, we will experience God's glory beyond our comprehension, his anointing, his favor, his grace, his blessing comes out of unity. And we all need that. We need it in the church. We need it in the family. We need it in the home. Wherever we are, we need God's blessing. And when unity comes, what happens? We are creating an atmosphere for God to manifest his glory. Now I'm going to say a couple of things. Notice the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 33. God is not the author of confusion. So if God is not the author of confusion, Satan is the author of confusion. He's the one that brings confusion, strife and division and misunderstanding because he knows that's how he can stop the glory from falling. So I thought about this. So if God is not the author of confusion, Satan has to be the author of confusion. So when unity comes, that confuses the devil. You want to confuse, to confuse Satan, bring unity to the house. Because when God, when unity is there, God is in charge and Satan has no interest in. The only way he can get in is find someone that's going to sow strife, someone that's going to disagree with God, someone that's going to come in and say words and things that just bring disagreement and everything. So if you want to confuse the devil in the church, in the family, in the home, bring unity to the forefront because that's what it's all about. The devil is wrapped. He is confused. He don't know what to do when there's unity in the family, when there's unity in the church, when there's unity in the marriage, when there's unity in our life. He is confused because he has no interest into what God is doing. And the next slide, when unity comes, God will command his 
blessed. Because we just not said that. He commands grace to come to the forefront. The favor of God, his prosperity in our church. I want God to command his blessings on my life in our church. So therefore, I must strive to keep the unity of the spirit in the church, in the family. Wherever I am, I'm always on my toes watching someone that's going to bring a word that's going to bring strife. I don't deal with people that live in strife. I hate people that live in strife because strife is cancerous, is of the devil, and he would do everything he can to bring someone in that can't agree with what God is saying to bring strife to the forefront. Whether it's in the family, whether it's in the home, the church, or wherever. The devil don't care what race you are, what color you are. All he wants to do is find someone that's going to disagree with God. And once he finds someone that would not line up with God, he found the candidate that would try to stop the will of God. Amen? Now, let me say this to all of you guys. I believe the hand of God is on this house. I know it is. I see it. But also, the hand of God is upon your life. Because whatever starts at the head works itself over to the body. The anointing flows down. It doesn't flow up. The anointing starts up on your head. Your pastor is the under-shepherd to Jesus. So therefore, God will anoint he and his wife, his family, and the oil will begin to flow in this church. And if you are a member of this body, if you're here in this church, working, guess what? That oil is going to come down to your house. If you are involved, if you're here working to carry out God's will, you can bet one thing for sure. You might be struggling today, but let the oil come. Because the oil is going to come. It's going to come to your family. It's going to come to your house. This oil will flow over the body. Everyone that is in line with the will of God, the oil will flow into the life. That's why you don't want to get out of line, because you miss the flow of the oil. Amen. So God saw the state of the world, so he sent Jesus to bring harmony, to bring unity back to his body. Jesus is our example. And I want to show you a few things about Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Notice in Jesus' final days in the John the 17th chapter, verses 20 and 21, Jesus said this to the Father, neither pray I thee, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Amen? Now watch this guy. This is what Jesus prayed at the verse 21, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In Jesus' final days on the earth, the one prayer that he prayed for the body of Christ, for the family of God, for the people of God, that we become one. Because Jesus knew if God's going to finish the ministry that he came and got established, the people have to remain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Harvest, the hand of God is upon this church. I know by the spirit, I see it. And I know if God's going to finish what he started in this church, in your family, on your life, unity is a must. I repeat, if God's going to take this church to the next level, I believe God is raising this man of God up. I believe God is raising you up. He brought you here to be under this man that he could be a blessing to you and that you can take the Piedmont triad by storm because one thing about it, when unity comes in a house, miracles, signs and wonders will begin to take place. A miracle will pop up over there, one there and one there. And when the city learn that you can go down to Harvard and get your healing, you can go down to Harvard and get your blessing, you can go down to Harvard and get delivered. They're going to come by the multitude, but the 
people here must be in harmony that when they come, because they don't come in different ways and different manners, different races, different colors. It matters not what race they are. The matters is that they are people, and God sent Jesus to save everybody. I like what I saw out front, and I was so in awe of it that I took a picture of it, because I'm going to go back home and put the same thing in my church. Know that? I like that. Love God. Love people. And live with purpose. Oh, man, that is it. That is it. That is it. Notice again there in verse 21 that they all may be what? One, that's good. He said that they all may be one. See, God sent Jesus to bring back to his house, his body, his family, his people into unity. Because Jesus knew for the Father to work, there has to be unity. I wish I know your name. I know this Ted's daughter, Christy. Are you Christy? Well, tell your husband, we got to have unity. Tell your brother, your sister, we got to have unity. If you know that person beside you, tell them the secret to our success is unity. Say it loud. Unity, 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 unity. Harvest, the world is waiting to see a church in unity. You can take the city, you can take Piedmont Triad by storm, but there has to be unity. Amen. Oh, thank God. Notice there in John 17, 22, what Jesus prayed, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them. Wow, that they may be one, even as we are one. Notice what happened. The glory follows unity. What is the glory of God? It's the manifestations of the presence of God. Unity corrects disorder. Satan brings disorder to stop the flow of unity. Jesus brought unity to bring order back to the house of God, back to the family of God, back to the people of God, that the glory of God will be in manifestation, amen? And then notice in the next slide, unity is the key to the glory realm being revealed in your family, in your life, in the church, or wherever you are, you go there as a representation of God. And if God is in it, there should be manifestations of the glory of God. But the glory of God will not manifest if there's not unity. When unity comes forth immediately, the glory falls. Amen. Let me say this. Unity is a divine connection to the glory of God. The Spirit of God moves in unity. Tell your neighbor, I want some of that. Well, you listen, you can get some of it if you just do it. I can tell you that now. Listen to me, guys. I'm here by the Spirit of God. God sent me here to give this word to you, to you and your family. God wants to change your family. God wants to bless you and your family. See, God is in the increase business. But see, God has a law that he lives by. God can't step out of the law of God. The Bible says it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. There's a law that God lives in. And if you're wise, you will lock your life into that law. And out of that law comes the blessings of God, the manifestations of the spirit of the living God. And the glory doesn't come until we are one in the spirit. Say that. The glory does not come until we are what? One in the spirit. 
So if that's the case, notice what Paul, team unity is the secret to our success. Unstoppable power comes out of team unity. Team one makes team one. When we are one, we will always come out a winner. Notice what the apostle Paul said to the church in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses one, two, three. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith you are called. You have a vocation by God and you're called. And then they tell us how in verse two, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing, forgiving one another in love. Verse three, then he said, endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How long, verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a matured man unto the what? Stature of the fullness of Christ. That word perfect means mature. God wants the church to grow up. Grow up. See, there's disharmony in babies but see, you're no longer a baby Christian. You got saved with Abraham. So it's time for the church to grow up. We have to grow to the full maturity so that we can produce full mature fruit. Amen. Now, let me say something here. I pulled out a few things here I want to bring. Number one, notice that first bullet in David means to do your best to keep the unity of the spirit. It is the responsibility of every member of this house every member of your family, whether it's your business or wherever you are. Each person has an assigned responsibility to do their best, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And number two, how long till we all come into the unity of the Spirit? You stay there, you fight for unity, you strive, you do everything you can to keep unity. And what happens when you do that? See, all who embrace the team unity concept will be blessed of God because the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the church. The eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect to watch him matured. And God will bless you when God see that you're going out of your way to keep unity in the church. Unity in the family, unity in the spirit, unity in the business of the church. God will reward you for the efforts that you make to keep the unity of the spirit. Now, I'm going to close this out. Watch this right here, God. Next, God is very persistent in team unity. There's unstoppable power, unstoppable ability in the family when the husband and wife is flowing this one, in the church when the pastor and the people is flowing this one. Unlimited potential comes out of unity because wherever God is, there has to be unity. And you know what potential is? It's hidden ability. See, we have potential in this church that you haven't tapped into yet. You have potential in your family between you and your wife that you haven't tapped into yet. See, God created you. He knows my potential better than I know myself. See, in the natural, I will never tap into my fullness. But when the Spirit of God is working in me, when he's working in this church, when he's working in your life, unlimited potential will come to the forefront. Uh, you'll find yourself doing things you never thought you could do. You'll find yourself going places 
you never dreamed up going. Because the Bible says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love you, you have no idea of what God wants to do in your family. You have no idea of what God wants to do in this church. You have no idea of what God wants to do in your life. But you got to find the will of God and line up with it and know we're destined for greatness. Look at your neighbor and say, we are destined for greatness. Why? Because God is involved in what we're doing. And it bring us down to these three things here. Number one, you have to learn to lead. Everyone is a leader in your own right. And we all lead from different levels. You gotta learn to lead. Number two, see leaders lead. That's something you gotta learn. See leaders lead the people assigned to them. And number two, learn to follow. Leaders follow their leader assigned to them. See, God is a God of authority and he always will have someone out leading. And you are a leader. If you're not leading nobody but yourself, you are a leader. And you gotta know that I am a leader. Say that, I am a leader. I am a leader. So leaders make decisions based upon the will of God. So leaders lead. But leaders also learn to follow the one that's leading them. And number three, learn to keep the unity of the spirit and you will see the glory of God. Hey guys, in unity, we will function at an achievement level that will testify of God's greatness. You have no idea of the potential that is in you that you're not aware of, but God, by the Spirit, will bring it out of your man. There's an anointing that comes out of unity. And my last statement for this time, for this time until I see you again, I don't know when I'll see you again, but no, notice that's very important, that statement there on the screen. The power to define is the power to determine. Once you learn unity, you can determine where God's gonna take you. Once you apply unity to your life and you can define God's will, there's no limit to where God's gonna take you. So number one, oneness. Oneness. Everyone is working in harmony. Everyone is working in unity. Everyone is working in agreement. To maximize our potential and productivity, operating in unity, and oneness as one is the secret to our success. And number two, unity is a place of consistent commitment to purpose. Living with purpose is the key. See, God is a God of purpose. This is what he said in 2 Timothy 1.9. God has saved us. He has called us with a holy calling, but not according to our works, our plan, but according to his own purpose and grace. See, a lot of times we want God to bless our plan, but our plans don't line up with his purpose. God is a God of purpose. And when your life and plans line up with God's purpose, you will be rewarded for the efforts that you make. Because God called you, he save you by according to his own purpose. Amen. Now the number three, if you got it on the screen, number three, agree. What you mean? To acknowledge the opinion of another often reluctantly to do that. Now let's look at them. Self-confidence is important, but confidence in others is essential to achieve greatness. No one should never be left out. Everyone should have a voice. 
Everyone should be involved. There's no such thing as my way is the only way. If I'm going to be a great leader, I have to give place to what you have to say. I have to stop and listen to, and let's find the will of God. Let's know the will of God, and then we'll move accordingly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always respect the people that's on the team, and never assume that you are the only one that has an answer, because all of us together is smarter than any one of us, and all of us together is stronger than any one of us, and if we're wise, we want to hear what everyone has to say, but don't take an offense that if we don't do what you have to say, because when it's all said and done, we're going to find the will of God, and once we find the will of God, we're going to move accordingly. You know, my wife and I, we've been married 56 years. And uh, I have a very intelligent wife. She loves God. And, you know, after 56 years, you learn that your wife is always right. That keeps harmony in the house. Tell your neighbors, see, my wife is always right. Come on, girls, tell her. No, what I'm saying is this right here. I respect my wife. We're called together. And this is my, and I tell my wife this, I want to hear how you feel about any situation. But after you tell me how you feel about the situation, give me the opportunity to take it before God so that when we move, we move as one with God. So my wife and I, we have come in agreement. If she wants to do something, she wants to hear my opinion. If I'm going to do something, because we're heirs together of the grace of life, I share with her. But I ask her, since God has called me to be the leader, after I hear from you, give me the liberty to take it before God so that we can move together with God. And don't take an offense if I don't do it according to what you say, because I got to hear from God, because I can't allow my wife's voice to become God's voice, but yet God gave her to me to impart unto me her wisdom. Do you get the picture? And every wise ought to recognize that. Share with your companion how you feel. And every wise husband want to hear his wife's opinion. Amen. But after that, a wise wife will say, now that I have shared with you, allow me to take it before God so together we can make a decision in harmony with God so we can get God's blessings. And that's the same thing here in this church. Share with your leader how you feel. But a wise leader would always take it before God and say, God, this is what the people are saying. But I want to hear what you are saying. See, that's what got Saul in trouble in uh, 1 Samuel 15. God gave Saul a command, but God, Saul listened to the people and he did not obey God. He followed the leadership of the people and God removed him from his assignment because he feared the people that he led. So therefore, you can't be afraid to tell the people, this is what the Lord has said. Because if you fear the people you lead, you forfeit the right to lead them. So Every pastor has to have a relationship with God and simply tell the people, I appreciate what you have said, but I got to take it before God and I got to know that I'm moving with God. So if I move with God, God will move with me, but I can't move without God because if I move without God, I'm out there on my own. So you need that in your family. Share with your husband, share with your companion, but take it before God and find out what God has to say and move with God because when I move with God, I can boldly say, no 
weapon that's formed against me will prosper and every tongue that rise against me in judgment is condemned. Can't no devil stop me if God is for me. Can't no devil stop you if God is for you. For greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Tell your neighbor, can't no devil stop us if God is for us. That's why it is so important that you take it before God. You got, I know the man, I know your leader. He's a man of God. He listened to God. He's a man of integrity. And that is saying a whole lot in today's era. You go find men to have the integrity that your leader have. He and his wife, they are people of integrity. They're not gonna cross that line. They are people of integrity. He has a clean life. He loved his wife. He leaded his children. You can bet one thing for sure, what you have here is beyond most people's comprehension. Yes. My last one, number four, a card. A course of action taken by two or more individuals who are in agreement for a common cause. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus died for a cause. He died for a purpose. And I like what you have here. We live with purpose. And what purpose is that? To fulfill God's purpose. Whatever God say do, I'm going to do it. My wife knew I'm going to do I'm going to always line up with God. And if you're wise, you will never elevate the world over God because you're going to find disagreement. You're going to find strife in the world. You're going to find division in the world. But the world can't tell us how to run God's church. We have to go to the Bible and learn God's ways of doing things. And once we learn this Bible, we got to obey this word. Because he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded forth out of the mouth of God. And in the mouth of God, we're all the people of God. We are all God's family. Washed with one blood. We have one Father, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. God is one. And where you find unity, you will find God. We have one blood, regardless of race, creed, or we all have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We have been washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now let's bring races together. Let's bring families together. Let's bring peoples together and live with a purpose. Now, this is the scripture that Kenneth Hagin gave us at St. Peter's back in the 80s. And I've always strived to try to do this with our church right there. And I want to leave this scripture here with my son, Pastor Cohen and Pastor Misty, the family and this church right here. Cause I try to keep my church right here on the scripture. This is what Kenneth Hagin left us back in the 80s. He said, read that. Only let your conversation, that word conversation means manner of life, be as if it becomes the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you want. Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that's all I have for you today. Let's stand together.